Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Jerry Alexander here on the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. Tell me, how are things going with your investment plans this week? Okay, I appreciate it. It's a podcast, right? Pre-recorded, so you can't tell me, but I would love to know. It's been a busy month for us, with some great deals getting over the line for some of the investors I'm working with, and there have been some really interesting properties purchased in the last few weeks, even over the last few days, by those on our Mastermind and Membership programmes, and I'm really excited for them. Some of the properties have been vacant, with lots of opportunity, Some already have income in place, and there are quite a few more to come up soon. But one project that deserves a special mention is one purchased by John, who's based in Stockport in the UK. He managed to source a building that was vacant, and the day he purchased it, he already had 17 different customers lined up to actually fill the building. That's right, fill it, no more space. In fact, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, if the truth be told, he'd actually moved them into the building before he'd even bought it. Yes. (laughs) I'd love to say I had lots to do with that, but he did it all by himself. I dropped a post in the Facebook group earlier on, actually, about this great CMO project. So if you're not in the Facebook group, just check the show notes later on and you can get the link. I also have some information to share about our next mastermind, which is starting in the new year, which seems ages away, but it's not actually that far away. I'm going to talk about that later in the show. And we've already received a few applications, so I thought I'd better let you know about it. If you're serious about getting some real results in commercial, then stay tuned for that. So what is today's episode all about? I want to talk to you about the differences between the law of averages and absolutes when it comes around to commercial property investing. As the name suggests, this podcast is all about investing in commercial property, but it's not as simple as one strategy. Commercial property investing involves many, many different strategies with lots of different outcomes. So the most important thing here is you. And what do you want it to do for you? Putting aside the strategies, the different ways that you might actually do commercial property, there are basically four different ways you can invest into commercial. So the first one is you could invest in a fund, a property fund that's dedicated to commercial property, or it might have an element that's dedicated to commercial property. Pretty hands off. The second option is you could invest into a company that specifically invests in commercial property. So the first one is you've just handed your money over to a fund. The second one is you've maybe bought shares in a commercial property company. And then there's kind of a line, because the third option is you can invest via joint venture. So you take on a partner, you might put up money, they bring the deal, or perhaps you are going to do the development, whatever element it is. But basically now you're getting your sleeves rolled up. And the last way, the fourth way, is you can invest directly into the property yourself. So the first one is a fund. The second one is investing in a company that's investing in commercial. The third, which is to me on the other side of the line, is investing via joint venture or doing it all by yourself. 
So as we go down that scale, clearly the risk goes up. The more focused you are with the least amount of spread betting, the bigger impact on your funds if things go wrong. In theory, as the risk increases, so should your potential return, although it's not always that way, is it? My job in these podcasts, as I see it, is to give you some knowledge and understanding of how commercial market actually works, or at the very least, how it's worked for me. <laughs> it's up to you how you invest in commercial, if indeed you ever do. In the first two scenarios, private investors give their money to somebody else. Whether that be through investing in a fund and increasing the fund value or buying shares in a company that invests into commercial, as I say. And in both these cases, you and I have no influence on the outcome unless we've invested so much money that we can actually have a say in what the organisation does. Basically, it's passive investment, right? And as far as the industry is concerned, the investor really who actually buys the property is the fund or the company and not really you or I. In options three and four, where you or I do invest either directly into the property on our own or with a joint venture partner, we're now classed as private investors and are likely to be active investors, although not always. The difference of being on the institutional side of the line, the first and second option, or the private investor side, third and fourth option, is significant, not least to ourselves. As investors on either side, because we can invest on either side, our success or failure on either side will be not least be down to our good due diligence and understanding of what we're getting into. We either need to understand how the fund or the company operates or the parameters it operates within or much more information about actually how the commercial market works where we're investing. But there is something else to this. I want to prepare you for the noise out there. Perhaps you're already been deafened or even paralysed by it. It's things like, the high street is dead, the high street's doing great, the office is dead, everyone's going to work from home forever. Not in a house near me, I can hear you say. Market towns are the new cities. Dark kitchens are the new food and bev. Industrial is awesome and will be brilliant forever. Long live the king. Uh, uh, but hold on a minute. That's brand new industrial, not the old decrepit stuff down the road. You're not going to be able to fill because of EPC certification standards very soon. Oh, my head hurts. Because they're all conflicting headlines. And all these headlines and the commentary is conflicting and just downright confusing. But actually, that's because the audience is different on each side of the line. But if you don't know which side of your line on, and you're listening to messages that are meant for, say, institutional investors, and those with money in funds, and you're trying to do some private investing, then I'm afraid it will be conflicting, and it might even hurt your head. For me, one of the big differences between institutional and private investors, as well as passive and active, is averages and absolutes. The law of averages eventually affects all large investors, particularly those with a diverse portfolio. So if you think about it, some funds will have a preference or focus on a particular sector. So for instance, land securities were known for a good focus on shopping centres, as well as other sectors, although they are now pulling away from shopping centres. Or your fund might focus on industrial in Europe, for instance, or emerging markets. And they will invest in multiple buildings or even companies, and sometimes even other funds. So averages and what is happening in the market overall affects their portfolio value, therefore your portfolio value. 
There will always be opportunities to make improvements or asset management opportunities, but fundamentally the market dictates yield or sentiment dictates yield and therefore price. And then it's all about timing of the market, isn't it? But if you're in a fund, who's to say they're going to time it right? And of course, a specific fund manager will say their fund is much more focused and will beat the market. And in some cases, that might be true. But the law of averages is hard to avoid when you have such big pockets and a widespread of investments. And as a private individual, that is what you're buying into. But as a private investor, rather than a private fund investor, we don't have the scale to have a portfolio that could provide average numbers unless we've got very deep pockets. The performance of each and every building is vital to us. Each and every building is vital. For us, whilst macroeconomics does have an effect, the main influencer is local microclimate, the microeconomics. Is there enough supply for a particular demand? We all want occupancy at good price, so we have to get an understanding of our own target market and sector to make sure we are demand-driven to achieve good returns. The national media and reports made by industry professionals are nearly always about that overall picture. So a lot of the noise and rhetoric out there, particularly in the printed press, is about what's happening generally. And some organisations will do reports on regions or more local areas, so it's getting a bit more specific but, for instance, an average report on Scotland, which admittedly is not huge, and it has a landmass of just over 30,000 square miles, which I guess is reasonably big, but a population of 5.5 million, even that, which is spread over very different cities and towns and countryside, is going to have some very diverse outliers. So if you're looking at a market report that's of a size of of 30,000 square miles or a population of a million, two million plus, then there's going to be lots of things going on in specific areas within that target market that are going to be complete outliers. And as a private investor, that's really what we need to be focusing on. What are these outliers? So what can we do about it? Well, first, let's check our context. I've got four little things for you to think about here or activities to do. The first is talk to gatekeepers in your area by what is their experience of things on the ground. Not over the airwaves, not what they're hearing, but what they're actually experiencing. And sometimes you have to dissect the conversation to really sort out the wheat from the chaff. It could be with commercial agents. So what do I mean by gatekeepers? I mean, people who are dealing with either customers, buildings, um, trades in the sector that we're looking at in commercial. So they could be commercial agents, is an obvious one, but they could also be business support agencies. They might be accountants with a certain um, skew towards those types of investors, or it might be the business chamber, different organisations that will be gatekeepers for you to access knowledge from a wider sphere in the market. The second thing is, just ignore most social media and mainstream media comments, please. <laughs> yes, you can have a listen or you could have a little look, but make sure you're checking it with context, right? Where are they coming from and why are they telling you that before you really use it to influence your investing decisions? So the third one is follow. Um, there's, there's a company that does serviced office um, sales or, or lead generation called Instant on the Internet. And 
they're actually pretty good at providing a report on the serviced office market. Okay, it's not on every market within commercial, but certainly on the serviced office market. And they're getting a little bit more into managed as well as industrial. But what's critical is the numbers that they report on are sales and inquiries led because that's what they're trying to do is generate sales and inquiries or inquiries which will lead into sales for providers of space. They're based on the internet. Just try type in instant offices or instant group. Um, but what I find interesting about the fact that it's sales and inquiries led is that it's a really good place to get up to date information on what's happening. You see, a slowdown in the market, the inquiries or sales won't filter through to occupancy till much later. Because what tends to happen is as sales or inquiries drop, you're really waiting for people to leave a building for an occupancy to drop to really actually start noticing the impact of the lesser number of inquiries. So it's actually quite important to get get the right data, the up-to-date data. And I think that's a really good place to check. But do remember, even they will report on a specific area, let's say Scotland, they might even report on Edinburgh, Glasgow, London, Birmingham, um, LA, Calif- in California. I mean, they, they will do across many different geographical areas. So they are really good. But just like residential investing, what happens on one side of the road might not be happening on the other. So again, it comes back to what's happening in your target area. Do you understand what's going on in your target area? Now, having said all that, I have said, do try and be aware and interested in long-term trends. So for example, Um, internet businesses. How is that affecting retail and how is that affecting industrial sectors? Well, one of them is going up and one of them is going down. And that is reasonable to assume, maybe not completely, that that is a symptom of how much commerce is going online. Not all, especially the industrial sector, there's other levers there that are happening. But nevertheless, Internet businesses are having an effect on retail and industrial sectors, which affects us as commercial investors. But it might be different in different geographical areas and different towns and cities. So you have to, again, check what's going on with the trends, keep an eye on them, but really focus in on what's happening in your local area. So let's actually move into some of the things that you can really look at in that local market area. Those things earlier were just about, you know, Talk to gatekeepers, ignore social media and all these media comments, follow some good reports about the general market and follow some of the trends, but don't make all your decisions based on that. Let's move into the actual local stuff. So first thing, obvious, know your local market by using the market analyzer. So you may have heard me mention it before. On our website, you'll get a free file of a market analyzer chart. And what it effectively is is a map. It just shows you what the market should look like in your area. So it might be that you're looking at uh, industrial space. So it, it splits it up into sizes, quality, the offer type, i.e. what type of contract. And um, eventually you work out really what the price would be based on those different dynamics about demand. Sorry, about size of space people are looking for, the quality of space and the offer. And then, of course, the sector, which I mentioned there was industrial in that particular example. But using that chart, it'll allow you to work out where the market is perhaps 
I don't want to use the word saturated, but there's there's lots of vacancy in large industrial space, as an example. But actually, that doesn't mean there isn't really high demand for small industrial space. So when you put out that chart, it just gives you a map, a roadmap in which to kind of study the local market. So that's the first thing I would do. But layered on top of that are all the things that you, you try and look at when you're doing residential investing. It's things like housing, employment, population ages, infrastructure, the connectedness of the, of the area, you know, internet provision. All of these factors will affect what's going on in your local market and the local trends for you. So housing, is there lots more housing going in? And if there is, what type of housing is it? What is the population that's moving into that housing? Are you a commuter town? The fact, the area you're looking at, or is everybody moving into your town to work in your town? So that leads you on to employment. Are they all going to be employed locally? Are there more bigger employers? And therefore, subcontractors, suppliers, smaller businesses, all these businesses need service businesses and sometimes manufacturing business to supply them. What do they need? And of course, with that new housing, and not necessarily just that, but what's happening to the population age? What's happening with the demographics in your area? Are they getting older? Are they getting younger? Is there more families? Is there less families? What's happening? These will have effect on what people are going to be looking for in terms of commercial services, really, or products. I guess you're two steps removed. You're trying to work out what people are going to want to buy or, or consume. And therefore, you're looking for space to provide for those businesses that are going to provide the products and the services that people are going to consume. And then it moves on to infrastructure. So is there really good infrastructure for transport, for um, accessibility, for public transport? So as an example, you might have a really good office building that is quality building. Um, has the right kind of space sizes. But if the infrastructure for getting to that building is really poor and you have a competitor down the road that's well-connected, it's on the bus route, it's near train station, it's got plenty parking and it's straight off the motorway, they're probably going to be stealing a march on you because there's just a little bit better infrastructure. And it might be the same for the next village or the next town or the next city. The infrastructure might be slightly... Uh, better or worse. And then another one that I guess is becoming not quite so important is the connectedness, the internet provision. So it's important to know as the tide is lifting, which it is slowly, I know some of you might be frustrated that your internet connection is still poor. Some of you might have a fantastic internet connection, of course, and well done you, but effectively that tide is rising. So it's lifting all boats. Internet provision is becoming less important as a key differentiator, but it is still important. You need to make sure that you do a check on the buildings and the areas you're looking at to make sure, actually, can you get fibre internet? Can you get 100 meg, which, to be fair, is now becoming old news. You now need a gigabit <laughs> or more. Very easy to check. There are postcode checkers online to see what the internet provision is like. And you can get fibre to anywhere, but sometimes it can cost a lot. So it's another important thing, connectedness. And then what about amenities for a good life? Is there good leisure, 
Is there good food and bev locally for people to go and go out on a Friday night and stuff? What 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 is the infrastructure right now in terms of giving people a nice space to live and work in? So all of these things will bleed through to your commercial property investing. They will have an effect. The problem is they are trends. They don't happen overnight. And you've just got to keep an eye on what's going on. Some of that will come through press, of course, and, and uh, media. But it's important to feed that into your calculations as best as you can. Particularly, these things particularly have an effect if you're obviously investing for long term. If you're trying to do flips, it's not so important. But if you're investing for the long term and you see these trends, then just like housing, it can mean that your investment's in a slightly safer place. So. As we have grown as a business, we have been able to work out some averages. All right. So, okay, averages can be a bit boring and and maybe aren't the best way of checking how you could do in a particular market. But if you're working out your own averages of how you're getting on, it does allow you to predict future investment performance. But we know we're far too small to really be any kind of barometer for anything other than our own little target market that we operate in. And even that's dangerous, thinking we're a barometer. But as you get scale, you will start to get in that position where you can start understanding averages. But it's funny, really, isn't it? Because in all industries, you might start out with being that private small investor But ultimately, the bigger you get, the harder it is to avoid the law of averages. A good example of, I guess, the small underdog would be the story of Brewdog. And I'm sure many listeners have heard of Brewdog, a beer company that started in way up in north of Scotland with a couple of guys and a dog. (laughs) And they've developed um, this global brand that's moved not just from beer, but into lots of other um, food and bev and hospitality. But the bigger and the more successful you become, the more difficult it is to resist those law of averages, making you similar as those that you set out to disrupt. It's kind of funny, isn't it? But I guess that's a sign of success too. So for those of us who might get to those heights where we have to worry about averages, we salute you. (laughs) But for right now, keep your feet on the ground and focus in on local microeconomics that are going to affect your next single or portfolio purchase because those are the critical things. Try and shelter yourself from all that confusing noise that's going on in the overall market. Deal with absolutes, not averages. So as I mentioned back at the start, I'll tell you a little bit more about our CPI Mastermind program. So this is a nine-month program that's been, um, it's, I guess we've been running, the current one finishes in December this year. We're going to start the next one at the beginning of next year. We only do an intake every nine months. And it does have a beginning, a middle and an end, this program. It's a small number of serious investors, we do up to about 15, who want to get started in commercial. There's lots of peer-to-peer learning, accountability and knowledge sharing and each session is hosted by myself and the focus over the nine months is to help you understand your local market, where the gaps are, identify those good buildings, raise the finance, get the deal over the line and develop it out for the optimal offer. So if you've been struggling on knowing where to start or you're finding you're holding yourself back, which 
Some, some of you might be able to relate to. Or even you look at commercial every now and again, but then get sidetracked back into residential investing because that's what you know. Then maybe it's time to just put your hand up and commit to getting something done. Now, it is an application process. We want to make sure the program's right for those that join us and, and for the others in the group, of course. And there will be, as I say, a maximum of 15 places. And we're going to start on the 27th of January. But that will be here before you know it. And other activities just to fill you in uh, monthly include deal analysis sessions, private audiences with podcast special guests. So some of the guests that come on the podcast show here, you get a chance to give them a Q&A. And access to our online tool library, including draft licenses, compliance stuff, checklists, so on and so forth. Some of that in there is, is worth quite a lot of money and has taken many years to develop. Plus, of course, access to myself and our team. But don't worry if you're not based in the UK. Most of our sessions are done over Zoom. And although we have some live sessions with behind-the-scenes tour days, you will be able to join us for those remotely if you need to. So to find out more, jump on the website, all the W's, commercialpropertyinvestor.co.uk, to find out more. And there'll be a link in the show notes too if you um, want to go and have a look or indeed fill out an application. If you do, then we'll have a chat. So that's enough for that. Over to you. Have a great week in commercial. Get out there and take that next step. <laughs> <laughs>